today on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making podcast. We continue our series, The Gospel, How to Share the Good News of Jesus, with special guests Rob and Jen Matola, as they unpack how to share the good news of Jesus with Mormons. So uh, thanks for having us, y'all. Appreciate it very much and glad you're all here. Um, I'm Rob and this is Jen. Uh, we've been here at Emmaus for about six years. And um, what's that? Maybe seven. Maybe seven. Okay, maybe seven. Um, but uh, we wanted to just share, before we kind of get into some of the weirder doctrine, um, we wanted to share a little bit about a kind of our experience with Mormonism. Um you want to start off with yours? Talk about growing up in it. Oh, um, yes. Sorry. Um, really? Yep. You got to do that. Jacob this. told me. Yes. Okay. Jacob. Um, so I'm Jennifer, and I was born into Mormonism. My family was Catholic and Mormon. My mom converted to Mormonism when my dad was um, in Vietnam, I guess. And uh, so he came home to that. And... Um, so it was kind of divided. My dad's family was still very devout Catholic, and my mom um, took us and raised us in the Mormon church. They divorced um, when I was 10, so it was mostly Mormonism. I never knew any different besides Catholic. So I had all kinds of guilt and works to deal with as I got older. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just grew up that way, not really knowing anything different. And in the Mormon faith, you're told from birth that people are going to try to um, steal your testimony or, you know, pull you away from the church. So you're always on guard if someone does share the gospel with you. And that's important to remember when we get down to sharing the gospel is that they're literally told from babies that their testimony is true, the church is true. Um, and that people are going to try to to tell you otherwise. So they are really strong on Mormon apologetics, and they know their stuff from, you know, all the way up. So anyway, um, yeah, and I was a Mormon uh, all my life. I kind of, I wasn't a great Mormon. I got in trouble a few times. Um, I get embarrassed. Um, but when I met Rob, uh, I was not active in the church at that time, but then when we got married, I was like, well, if we're going to go to church, we have to be Mormons because I can't go to another church. That's, you know, that's unacceptable, totally. So um, he was like, okay, and there you go. Okay, so I grew up Catholic, 12 years of all-boys Catholic school, so um, <laughs> I was ready to do the works thing right from the get-go. So when, when you hear of works and earning your salvation and working your way to the highest level of heaven, I was like, let's go. I was ready. So that was something I grew up with. Um, and when we first went to the, the Mormon church, the very first day, I mean, it was super positive impression. Their families are nicely dressed and the kids obey and um, hey, how are you? Um, and, you know, everything just looks super perfect and super family oriented. So I was like, you know, I had seen actually Mormon commercials before. And I'm like, yeah, they're exactly the way the commercials are. So, um, yeah, I was super excited. Moms were, you know, homemakers. Uh, the men were leaders, successful businesses. Um, I was able to make some good friends pretty much right off the bat very quickly. Um, and... 
I don't know if you've seen Mormon elders or heard about Mormon elders in terms of the missionaries, but we had the missionaries come over to the house and they have six lessons. And in the third lesson, they basically ask you, hey, what do you think? You know, do you like this? You want to get baptized? You want to be a Mormon? I'm like, yes, I want to be a Mormon. So uh, we went from there and I started studying the Book of Mormon. Um, I never really looked at the Bible very much when I grew up Catholic because that was the priest's job. I wasn't allowed to really touch it, basically. Um, that may have changed. I don't know. I don't know much about Catholicism these days. But anyway, um, so, you know, reading the Book of Mormon was a little different. It's, a, it's definitely something that, you know, if you haven't read it before, reading those stories is a little bit wacky, you know. But I'm like, well, these, you know, these families look great and everybody looks awesome. I'm going to keep going. So um, I really got passionate about it and I started reading and learning and doing everything I could. Um, and then I was uh, asked to be in something called the Elders Quorum, and that's only uh, three people, uh, uh, young men in their 30s. Oh, they're not that young. So those folks are allowed to be, are called to be in the Elders Quorum, and they asked me to be in this, which was kind of, kind of different for someone new, uh, a new convert to be, to be asked to do that. Anyway, so that's when I started learning about some of the deeper, more odd doctrine. Um, and I basically started to do some study on my own. Because as Jen mentioned, if you bring up some stuff to like, hey, what, what about this? This is odd. I heard this somewhere or I read this on the internet. You're like, oh, oh, don't do that anymore. That's going to bust up your testimony. Don't investigate any deeper. You just listen to us and kind of stay on the road you're on. So questioning any doctrine and questioning any leadership, that is like a no-no. You know, they'll, they'll basically tell you, hey, don't do that anymore. Or you're, gonna, you're really going to damage your family and you're really going to damage your testimony. Um, so anyway, to make a long story short on this part, um, I found a document online called Speaking the Truth in Love. And it was all about um, what Mormonism believes and what biblical Christianity believes. Uh, I brought that to the person called the bishop, who's the guy who leads the, your church. And he took it and he goes, thanks, threw it in the trash right in front of me. And he said, I won't read it. I don't want to damage my testimony. I don't think you could, you know, you should look at this or, or, or delve, delve any deeper into it. And I was just like, but I got all these questions now that I read this thing. He's like, no, no, no more questions. So I had developed a relationship with a professor a former professor from BYU who went to the church that we were at. And I'm, I said, John, you know, gosh, I am, I'm really hurting here. I need some help. I'm, I'm losing direction. I feel like I am losing my testimony. Please look at this document and help me. He takes it and he goes, you know what? I'm going to read through it and I'm going to come back in a, a week or two and knock out all this doubt for you. He didn't talk to me ever again. Never talked to me. He would see me at church and turn around and go the other way. Like, he didn't want to deal with it either. So, I mean, just that odd sense of, I mean, it, it's just like a cult, like they say. They don't want you to question the top, the top dog or, or the top leadership or the top doctrine. Um, so we went through about a year of heavy fighting because Jen was still very much uh, in belief that Mormonism was, was the true way to, to, to heaven. So what changed your... I oh, think, I think we need to share our testimony. Okay. I, I know it's not really part of it, but I think it's important. So I had been investigating at the time, again, biblical Christianity versus Mormonism. 
And um, I was driving down. We lived in Canton, and I was driving down to Atlanta. Picked up a radio show called Living on the Edge by a pastor named Chip, Chip Ingram. Um, and I typically don't listen to AM radio. I'm sure that's a God thing. Why I was on AM radio that day, I have no idea. Anyway, uh, the beginning of the show came on. It had a cool little guitar riff, and I'm like, what is this on Christian radio? So I kept listening. Anyway, uh, so he preached a message. I was very interested. I said, hey, I'm going to catch this on Monday. I was listening on a Friday at the time. So I'm going to catch this on, on Monday. So I'm in the car on Monday listening to him, and he starts a series on cults. And that very first episode was all about what biblical Christianity was and what Mormonism believed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I am way off. I'm so lost. I'm nowhere near biblical. And I came back and told Jen, and then we fought for 12 months. Um, I know that's funny. It's not, but, it, it, you know, it was, it was kind of wacky. All right, your turn. Um, so obviously when he came back and told me this, it rocked my whole world because growing up, I was 100% brainwashed it really 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 is brainwashed I know we'll talk about that in a little bit but I literally felt like if I left the church there's no way to explain to you what Mormonism is in this short period of time it would take like a week course easily but um like I was afraid like if you know if you're a Mormon and you leave Mormonism hell isn't even good enough for you like you're in outer darkness for eternity so it was like uh, no we can't do this and so I was listening to Chip Ingram and I know some of you know me but I'm extremely stubborn so I was going to prove Chip Ingram wrong um, and I couldn't and I was trying to do my research um, so we it, we finally had stopped going to church and at the time this was a long time ago we visited some of the big churches the Baptist Church and the Methodist Church and we were like okay this isn't for us and uh, Chip preached at Santa Cruz Bible Church at the time, so we opened the phone book and looked for a Bible church. And there was only one in Canton, and it was called New Covenant Bible Church. And so we were like, okay, let's just go there. It says Bible in the name. Maybe it's a, you know, we're just going to get the Bible. So we went, and um, it was a really small little country church, but I'm going to cry. Those people loved on us so well, and after the first sermon, I told the pastor, I said, I agree with everything you said today, but I'm going to double-check everything you say. And he was like, okay, I hope you do. And I, so that's how I met, um, Anson has met him, and that's how we met. So um, we stayed in that church, and um, that pastor and his wife, sorry, met with us every week and he went through Christianity 101 with him and she went through Christianity 101 with me and um, for a year or more and she's still one of my dearest friends um, over 20 years ago um, but they really poured into us and helped deconstruct all the um, false doctrine that I knew and believed with all my heart I converted more people to Mormonism someone would start trying to convert me and I would convert them so um, I was I was a good I was a good little Mormon girl, some of the time. Um, anyways, I know this isn't what you guys want to hear, but I want to say that um, through Chip's ministry, we heard the gospel, we found this Bible church. Um, it all came around several years later. Chip moved his ministry to Atlanta, and um, Rob's company at the time was asked to produce his video sermons and um, he got to share with him his testimony in an elevator um, and that 
we got to be good friends with Chip and Teresa and their family and their son was our kids youth pastor and I um, worked for Chip's ministry for a few years um, one of our elders works with it too so God just like he not only like anyway it was a super cool long story but that's a short version of it that uh, I actually was able to be the Mormon specialist for the ministry and would talk to people on the phone all over the world and it was just uh, a really really cool way that God could redeem that and bring it full circle so that's part of our testimony anyway okay okay uh. <laughs> so we want to open discussion obviously we want you guys to ask questions as we as we move on here but one of the things I wanted to see kind of get a feel for the room um, just just give me a show of hands um, how many people know about Mormonism know a lot about Mormonism you know a lot. Okay, cool. Um, how about a little bit? Little bit? Is that most everybody? Okay. okay. So. No one has a friend with them tonight who is Mormon. That would like to come up. No. Yeah. yeah. Heather. Heather McMahon. Okay. Oh, this has happened to me. Yeah. So, honestly, it's happened to Jen before, where she spoke on Mormonism, and a friend wanted to bring a Mormon friend and with them, and, and they were in the room. It was good. So, it was good. obviously, we wanted to be respectful if anyone happened to bring a friend tonight. Um. Go ahead. Most of the time when I, we have done this before at different churches and in different groups um, over the years, um, and most of the time people just have a ton of questions. So I'm sure you guys have all heard things and you guys have a lot of questions. So we really do want, we're going to share some things that we think are important. Um, but if you have questions, please ask, and we want to make sure there's enough time to answer questions, because literally we probably know the answer. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> unless things have changed so one of the first things about sharing the gospel with a mormon is same with you know how a bank teller needs to understand the gospel you're supposed to memorize what a real hundred dollar bill looks like so when you see a counterfeit you know it um it's the same thing um, i might be a little crazy about counterfeit i tend to be very um because I was deceived for so many years of my life, I'm very, very discerning and careful about what I read and what I listen to. Um, probably a little over the top, but again, if you know me, that's not surprising. Um, so what we wanna do is share the top five things that are different. Mormons use all the same words that we use, plus a whole bunch of other words that we don't use, but they use a lot of the same words. They'll tell you that they're Christians and that they believe in Jesus, but their definitions are completely different than ours. Their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Their God is not the God of the Bible. So when you hear these things, you want to think, oh, okay, well, my neighbor's a Mormon and she says she's a Christian and she believes in Jesus and she believes we're saved by grace. No, no, she doesn't. So um, we're going to go over just those top five things. You need to understand that before you even engage with them. Otherwise, you're going to be deceived right out of the gate and not understand where they're coming from. Um, and then, of course, we're going to say this at the end, too, but the most important thing to do is pray. Um, sharing the gospel with a Mormon is definitely spiritual warfare, and it is um, you're going to be talking to someone who's fully deceived, and Satan wants to keep them that way. So this is a very big prayer ministry and, um, and knowing your word because they know theirs. Okay, so with that, okay. we'll start. All right, so um, number one is Jesus. 
Now, our biblical definition, I'm hoping everyone in here knows. Um, so we're just going to kind of shed light on what, what their belief is. Um, first of all, Jesus was born of uh, a heavenly father and a heavenly mother in heaven. So, um, and we are his spirit brothers and sisters. So we were all together uh, in heaven as spirit brothers and sisters. Um, and basically, we don't remember any of that now that we're on the earth. Um, so that's our, you know, that's our pre-existence, our pre-mortal life was as spirit children in heaven with Jesus. Um, that's our pre our pre-mortal existence was as spirit children with Jesus and our heavenly parents. Okay. Um, and Jesus was not fully God in the beginning either. Okay. He, um, he earned or he offered himself up uh, as there as God's plan of salvation for the one to go down and to save all of the people on earth. And they also teach that we were all together at that point. So all the spirit children were there when God said, who am I going to send? And Jesus raised his hand and said, hey, you know, I'll go. Right. But it's, it's Jesus, comma. He's just one step in your salvation. He's not Jesus, period. Right. Yeah, it's Jesus plus everything else that you do while you're here on earth. Um, and in Mormonism, you're, well, I don't want to go there yet. You Thank you, God. Talk about God, yeah. Okay, so Jesus is not the same. <laughs> um, God, our Heavenly Father, is not the same. Um, the God of Mormonism was once a man, and he was exalted to Godhood by um, living a righteous life here, or wherever he was. They don't really have an answer for that. Um, but he was exalted to Godhood. He is married um, in heaven. There is a heavenly mother, and they believe that they procreate in heaven. Um, everyone on earth is, um, we're all brothers and sisters. That's why they call each other brothers and sisters. Um, because we are, if you're, if you're a human on this planet, then a Mormon considers you their heavenly brother and sister. And that's why they are so intent on evangelism. Um, I mean, that's a whole nother hour long conversation about missionaries and how that happens. But, um, you were born in heaven to populate the earth, pass a test here on earth and then go back to heaven and then hopefully be exalted to the highest level of heaven. Heaven is different as well. Um, so they say heavenly father and God, but again, we know that God always was not, and that we can't be a God, but you can be if you're a Mormon. Um, their job is also to make sure everyone comes back into the faith. That's why they do baptisms for the dead. They believe that you still hear the gospel in the waiting period after you die. So if you don't hear more, if you don't hear the Mormon message here on earth, you get another chance, and Jesus Himself is going to share the truth with you for you to accept it. Um, and then that's what the youth do. They spend all their days, all their field trips in the temples doing baptisms for dead people. Some of your relatives might even have been baptized. They get, they get all these genealogies and they just spend 
hours doing um, baptisms by proxy. I know. Cool, huh? So God is um, not the God of the Bible. I know. You guys are going, what? Seriously. I, okay. Is that number two? Yes. Sorry. Number two is God. Number one was Jesus. Number two is God. So their Jesus is different. When they say Jesus, it means something different. It sounds the same, but it means something different than what we believe as biblical Christians. And the same with God. Right. It's a it's a different definition in their world. Okay. Um, and I think we kind of covered preexistence, but yeah. So one of the things I wanted to make a comment on number two is that one of the uh, sermons that Joseph Smith, who Joseph Smith was the founder of Mormonism. Um, in one of his sermons, he preached that as God now is, man may be. So there's a chance that if we do all the right things, that we'll get exalted into divinity as well. So, um, and the third level of heaven. Yeah, the so level, the, third level. the Book of Mormon has a lot of odd teaching, but a lot of the weirder doctrine that you would sit there and go, what? That really comes out of some of the sermons and another book called The Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, The Doctrine and Covenants are early revelations that Joseph Smith received from God, which of course we know are false. But there's a, I think there's 150 Doctrine and Covenant revelations that Smith had while he was still on the earth. So And part of that is polygamy and some of the other odd things that you've heard. But it's not in the Book of Mormon. They tell you to read the Book of Mormon, but the Doctrine and Covenants and some of those odder doctrines come later when you've been in the church for a little bit. Um, So we did touch on preexistence. Like when we say God foreknew us, um, you know, the, the verse from Jeremiah you know, we, we kind of understand that God knit us together and he knew where we, we were going to be. But they, as we said, you know, beloved spirit and son and daughter of heavenly parents. That's what that's what they think all of us are. Um, and I want to read this one part. Before our spirit bodies were created, we each existed as intelligence. We had no beginning and neither will it have an end. Joseph Smith explained that while in our pre-mortal state, We were all present when God the Father explained his plan of salvation to his children, and we learned that a Savior would be needed to overcome the problems brought on by the conditions of mortal life. So that's a teaching of Joseph Smith, that we were all together when the plan of salvation came together, and then Jesus was the one who volunteered. Okay, you want to talk about heaven and hell? Um, Any questions so far? You probably have a ton. Go right ahead. Well, God just, he, we're veiled. It's like God bakes us so we don't remember it because then how are we going to pass a test? It's like we would have the answers and we're not supposed to have the answers. So um, one of the temple ordinances is what they call them is you reach through a veil 
and you get your heavenly name that you had because your name was different when you were in heaven than it is on earth as well. So it's one of the things that people who um, have their I know I feel like this is just too much but like people who have a temple recommend is what they call it you're recommended to go to the temple but it's really a little card that says that you're like you're a top tier Mormon (laughs) and um, you get to go into the temple if you have that card and do these ordinances and that's one of them um, to kind of get a little bit of God reveals a little bit of the other side of the veil in the temple but nobody else gets to if you're not a good enough Mormon, you don't get to experience that anyway. So but basically you're born and when you're born, you go through the veil and now that knowledge that you had back then is gone and you don't know it again until you start to go through some of these temple um, ceremonies and then you'll know it completely when you move on, when you die. Right. Um, okay, so heaven and hell is different. They have, it's very convoluted. Um, we're trying to touch on these things, but this is like very long conversations. Um, I do have a bunch of resources for you guys if you want to look into it further. Um, heaven is three levels. Um, <laughs> there's the celestial kingdom is where God lives. And then the terrestrial and terrestrial. Whoops. Okay. Can't talk. Um, terrestrial. You don't really need to know that. But basically... Um, they do have a hell, but but not really. There will be people that are cast into the pit with Satan, but then after a thousand years, they'll come out. Um, the only people that really are going to a literal hell, which is considered outer darkness, are those that were presented with the gospel and walked away from it, <laughs> like us. So <laughs> we got official uh, notarized sealed letters of... Um, being charged with apostate when we left the church so that was fun um yeah just yeah yeah. so there's there's three (laughs) levels of heaven so there's three levels yes Uh, the the person who um was a mormon and the person who was married and sealed to his wife or husband married to be in the top level right otherwise you can't have spirit babies and have your own planet right so that is the top tier where you are with Jesus and God. The middle level are folks who received the gospel, um, received the Mormon gospel, um, but were not as good, and maybe they're not married. So they get visits from Jesus, but he doesn't live there, and God the Father doesn't live there, and they don't get visits from God the Father. And then the bottom level is folks that have heard it, but have basically turned their back. No, that's outer darkness. Sorry. So Telestial is people who said no to the gospel, the Mormon gospel. So, go ahead. No, and also, so to be married, to be in the celestial kingdom, the church still believes in polygamy. I know, it's really a lot. I feel feel a little overwhelmed, y'all. But you... you, um, so they still believe in polygamy. They only stopped polygamy because it was against the law. So they do believe that if there's a really righteous woman and she's single and she hasn't found a righteous man, that in the afterlife you can you you can be married to more than one wife. There you go. Yes. And they prepare young women for that. 
like you understand that you will have to share your husband in heaven if necessary but it will be such a godly woman who really deserved it so this is just okay all right <laughs> any questions <laughs> you guys are like what I know. So you're, you're, yes. This is all, this part that you're telling us with the three levels of heaven, mm -hmm. this is all in the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. And and you talked about the other. I don't, uh, I don't think that's in the Book of Mormon. That's not in the Book of Mormon? I don't think it is. I think that's more of a Doctrine and Covenants thing, Revelation well, from to is, Smith. Is something, is the Salamander letters also, do you know about those? Yeah. I don't. You might um, that. that was a revelation. Yeah, everything is a revelation, but see, they believe that there is a true prophet on the planet. So right now there is a prophet, and he communicates with God. So anything he says is from God. So that's what the DNC is, or Doctrine and Covenants. So anytime there's been revelation from the Lord to the prophet, it's recorded. So it is still, even though the Book of Mormon is more like stories, kind of like... Mm, I would say kind of more like our Old Testament. Yeah. So it's a lot of stories, but not like our New Testament, if that makes sense. Um, and then all of the theology is in the, the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, they also have another book. It's called The Pearl of Great Price, but it's um, they, they believe that those, they don't believe the Bible. Um, they're actually, they have the 13 articles of faith which is the 13 articles of what they believe and one of them says we believe the bible to be the word of god as far as it is translated correctly so they literally pick and choose what they believe out of the bible so if you say well the bible says this they're going to go mm, nope that's one of those that we don't believe so where you might feel empowered with your word to go that's something they might not believe. So again, I guess I'm going to keep saying that if you're going to fully engage with a, a practicing Mormon, I believe now I feel like a lot of Mormons are like Catholic, I don't say to generalize, but you know, they're not as into all of it and no, um, but a lot of them do. And uh, they do know what they believe. They don't I know this isn't part of it, but like everyone thinks that the Mormons are so nice and they're so great and they're the best neighbors and they're the first ones to help you when you need it. They're earning their salvation. Like they legit are earning their salvation and they have to answer for it every single year. They have to make an appointment and sit down and face the leadership and answer sheets of questions. Have you served? Um, are you paying your full 10%? That's why they're one of the richest, second richest churches in the world because they have to pay a full 10 percent um on your gross yes um and you have to bring in your tax documents like you have to prove this this isn't like they ask you lots of personal questions about your sex life about um your marriage about how you're raising your children if you don't answer the questions the way the church has taught you then you don't get your little temple card i have mine i can show you it expired in 1994 it it, it expires every year and then you have to go back in so yes your mormon friends are awesome because they they have to be um, but if you sat down with a Mormon friend if you have a good Mormon friend ask them do you believe I'm gonna be in the top heaven with you and if they truly are your friend they're gonna tell you no because they don't believe that I mean their goal is to help you get there but um, they don't believe that you are going to be in heaven with them so keep that in mind too um, question yeah 
Yes. So um, they have continued to have a prophet since him. There's always been a Mormon prophet, and he is the prophet of God. So like if you think in the Old Testament, when all the believers listen to the prophet, that's how the Mormons do. I know like if, if the Mormon prophet tells the Mormons to do something, they all are going to do it if they're, if they're good Mormons. Yes. Yeah. Like, but they have to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a quorum of 70, and then there's the 12. They have a whole, it is extremely organized. It is the most, and I mean, I'm type A and OCD, and I love it, but they literally have, like, uh, every single church building that you see is a ward, and each ward has up to 500 people, and then there's a stake over each ward, and every single person is accounted. When we moved from Canton to here, we weren't even here a year, and the people were knocking on our door, and they were like, hey, and we didn't tell them we moved. We were like, what? And we were like, no, we left the church. And they were like, no, no, you didn't. And so we told them, yeah, we did. We're not Mormons anymore. And um, they that's another long story. But at the end of it, they said that they would release us, but not our kids. And ironically, I know this is another super cool God story. I just want to inject it. But um, Ryan Ingram, Chip Ingram's son, was the youth pastor, and they lived in our neighborhood, and our kids were at his house. And I said, well, then you're going to have to talk to our kids. They're at Ryan Ingram's house. And they were like, whose? That season, the Mormon missionaries had knocked on Ryan's door, and Ryan had actually been making headway with them to where those missionaries got transferred out because he had he had been almost converted them and um, so all the heads of the church locally knew who he was and he was like we can't let our missionaries go there and so we said well our kids are over at Ryan Ingram's house and they were like oh okay well we'll just we'll just we'll release your whole family so it's just God's perfect timing how all that happened too and it was just so cool how he continued to use that family but Anyway, I got totally rabbit so there, trailed. There's a presidency that sits over the top of the entire church. It's three gentlemen. Yeah. And the president comes out of those three gentlemen. So if, if the, the current president passes, one of those other two gentlemen will, will kind of ascend into that position. But there's no like, you know, out of those three guys, there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason as to who well, the one guy would well, pass. It's normally, it's normally the guy who's the oldest. They move him up. So anyway, anyway there's, yeah. Is there anything about um, the more children they have, the higher they get into heaven, or they get brownie points for having a lot of kids? No, um, it's not like that. But think about it. If you believe that all of your kids are already in heaven waiting for a human body to come, and your job is to get everybody here so they can pass the test, so then you can move on, you're gonna have a lot of kids. So it's not necessarily that you get more brownie points, but you you want to bring as many babies to earth as possible. Because yeah, there, there was a family that I knew in a uh, subdivision we lived in a long time ago, and they had seven boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, the Osmonds have, to, you know. <laughs> you have most Mormon families, it was funny when you'd go, like families would have the whole pews because there's so many kids in, in all of the families. But that's your job. I mean, yeah. you're supposed to be bringing these people to earth. The spirit people up in heaven are waiting Are waiting for bodies. Mm-hmm. So you, the more you have, the more spirit children can come down. 
And they're going to yeah. be Mormons because they're coming into your family. So it's even less that you have to evangelize. Yeah. It's like a win. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. It's a win-win. Just have them at home. I'm going to read this chunk about um, what they believe about salvation. To inherit eternal life requires our obedience to the laws and ordinance of the gospel. And when they say gospel, they mean Mormon gospel. After we are baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, much of our progress toward eternal life depends on our receiving other ordinances of salvation. For men, ordination into the Melchizedek priesthood. For men and women, the temple endowment and marriage sealing. And when we receive these ordinations and ordinances and keep the covenants that accompany them, we prepare ourselves to inherit eternal life. That is a direct teaching off of their website about salvation. So, um, you know, it is, it is definitely not the gift of grace that we, you know, that we believe about. It was grace <laughs> that Jesus did what he did. It, it, was, it was grace and mercy that Jesus volunteered himself and came to earth and died and did what he did to be a part of our salvation. So when a Mormon tells you, I believe in grace, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, they do. But understand that it's Jesus, comma, that it's not, it wasn't the end of the story for them. So um, I, have, it, I have found it difficult. I've seen so many Mormons say, well, I believe in God, and we believe. I'm a Christian, too. I, I follow Christ. And they're like, no, we don't follow the same Christ. So um, you guys need to know that they are coming from the, the other side of the elephant. You know, the perspective is, is completely different when you engage um, if you are going to, um, share, if you're trying to engage with a, um, it's good to know if they were a convert or a lifelong Mormon, I would ask that or find that out before you start talking to someone. If they're lifelong, then the programming has been deeply in, ingrained. Um, I'm telling you from, it is so organized, um, I know this isn't on our thing, but on a typical Sunday as you go in and you have the service, they, they have someone speak, but the members of the church take turns. They call you to speak on a topic. So people in the congregation give the sermons, and then um, they do sacrament every week. And it's then like communion. Like communion. They call it sacrament. And then um, the men go to priesthood classes on how to be a gospel-bearing man, and women all go to women classes, and the children all go to children's classes. But all of their, all of their services are family. Like, they don't have child care. Your kids, so I grew up, it was a shock for me. I thought it was sacrilegious to not have your children with you in the service. I was like, what is happening? So, um, but they do family and then everyone goes in their corners to learn the gospel on their level or in their roles. Um, and then the beginning of every month is fast and testimony Sunday. So every, the first Sunday of every month, Mormons are fasting and praying. They have got that down. So I know we're all like, oh Lord, I can't fast. But they, they fast every, the first Sunday of every month. And then it's, I call it now open mic night. So that Sunday service, anyone in the congregation can get up and go to the microphone up on the big podium. It's a big one. And um, 
share their testimony. And this starts when you're a toddler. Mamas are dragging their babies up there into the microphone and, and whispering in their ear. And I did it. I did it with my kids when they were babies. Thank God we were out of the church before they were old enough. But um, they say, I know this church is true. I know Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was a true prophet. I know that, you know, I, so they say all of those tenets in front of 500 people at the beginning of every month. After they're, they don't get to eat, you know, they, they do the fasting and the praying and all the things. So they are extremely disciplined and, um, and they know their, their word. So you guys need to know your word. <laughs> <laughs> the burning the burning <laughs> you're you're told to pray about it and let the holy spirit reveal it to you by a burning in a your burning bosom in like or in your heart or that they just say that god is going to reveal it to you so if you're there and you say that god didn't reveal it to you you know it's kind of a peer pressure thing too you're like oh yes i know oh yeah god revealed it to me that it's true so I don't know how many people are, you know, I mean, none of them should be revealed that it's true, but who knows what, and I mean, and it's hard for the power of to, darkness is doing stuff, I'm sure. It's hard for someone to say, well, you didn't get that. You never had that. You didn't have that revealed to you. you so, you know, everybody eventually gets to the point where they're like, oh yeah, I had that too. Okay, good. So it's, it's kind of odd, but there's really no way for anyone to come up and say, well, I know that didn't happen <laughs> to you. So... It's kind of indefensible. <laughs> and and I told all my friends that I was, that the truth was revealed to me when I came to Christ. And they, all of them told me that it was Satan and that I was being deceived and that, um, that he, <laughs> they use them, they, they say that, you know, Satan um, disguises himself as light. <laughs> You're like, wait. So, but, so they literally use that against the truth right. right exactly so it is like you you have to go into this praying praying on your knees and getting a prayer circle if you have someone ryan did ryan got up every sunday and said i'm talking to mormon missionaries you all need to pray as a church and he and he was close to converting them and then they got shipped away obviously they went to their leaders with questions um so you know god is still sovereign god is still is in control and if he's called you then you you know, to do it. Yes, sorry. Um, I was curious who they believe exalted God if he was originally a man and then was exalted by mm. Satan. He earned it, just okay. like we would. But, so. but not on God, earth. Uh, I don't. A power higher than God in heaven that exalted him? Or it's a cycle. So there was another, you know, he, he was on another planet and did his thing and got this planet. You get your own. You get your own planet. You don't. We don't use the same planet. Yeah. So, and I, I think one of the other important things to to know is that um, Smith's claim is that he went out into the woods and prayed and said, "Lord, I don't know what church to go to. Um, you know, can you reveal to me what church that I should attend?" And that uh, he was told that. The gospel had left the earth and that all of the churches were false and that he needed to go find the golden plates, which are the Book of Mormon, that were buried on this hill 
to get the truth back, that basically the truth had left. So anything that's biblical, when they say they don't necessarily believe it, is because that was what his claim was from the get-go, that, you know, that everything was wrong. Every church that he was going to and trying to find out about at the time when he was a young man was wrong. And, and from there on, he started the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, our, our Christian faith, you know, we, we take our Bible and we, we match that up with archaeological and philosophical type of you know, writings. Everything's based on historical right. um, precedent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Joseph Smith finding these golden tablets, do we have any kind of archaeological no, uh, they were taken. The story. They went back to heaven. They went back to heaven. Yeah, after he um, translated them, um, after they were translated, he had to go bring them back to. I think the angel was called Moroni. Yeah, he had to bring them back to Moroni, and Moroni took them away. So, like in the Book of Mormon, isn't it primarily about civilization happening? Mm-hmm. Yes. They believe that. Christ visited the Indians in America. So, and that's one of the things they were like, why, you know, why would Jesus only visit the area that is in the Bible? Of course he wanted, they wanted to, he wanted to share the message with others. So he came and spent time with, I don't even, the Lehites? Yeah. Uh, the Indians, so the Native American Indians on this continent, Jesus came and visited them after he was, Right, and that's what the Book of Mormon is. The when I say it's like our Old Testament, so it's the story of Jesus coming to this continent and the Indians and all the people here and all the wars and all the things because it's almost like it mirrors the Old Testament, like all the th- crazy stuff that happened there was also happening here. It wasn't just over there, so it's that's why I think a lot of people might believe it because they're like, oh, well, that would make sense. Jesus just wasn't in one place, like. It was Jesus. Of course, there were other humans on the planet, not just there. So he came and brought the message over here, too. And they they say they have archaeological finds. Old and stuff. old oh yeah, old. I butcher words all the time anyway, but um, it's, it's one of my things. Um, so there isn't a lot of doctrine in the Book of Mormon. Um, that's why they tell people to read it, because if you read it, it kind of does sound like the the old testament and the stories and you're like oh wow um but then all the doctrine is in the yeah if i remember correctly in the beginning of the book of mormon there was a family and then they traveled here like they were in yeah i don't know if they were in jerusalem i can't remember but they were over in israel somewhere and traveled here i think that's what the story was don't yeah yeah you might have mentioned this already but what was the reason for why because you have to reach and you have to pass the test and reach and all uh to to be a god so you can't just be a god you have to earn it basically so you can't just say oh well you're here you're my son you're awesome you get your own planet you know that's not like Oprah. You know, nobody gets a play on it unless you come. <laughs> yeah, so you got to come here. You got to pass the test. You got to live a super righteous life and be accountable. Um, and then you've proven yourself to be able to have your own planet, be a God, and, and do the things. 
So. Do they give them steps one, two, three, four? So you do these things and you'll be it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of steps. <laughs> and that's part of the temple. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a Mormon temple. They're all over the country. There's one in Atlanta. Um, there is one in Atlanta. Um, but that's the, the place where you go to do these ordinances. So if you if you do your if you live your righteous life that you're supposed to do, uh, then you go to the temple and you go through um, this ordinance where you find out your heavenly name and you you learn a handshake through a veil. And that's basically how you learn this uh, handshake through a veil to get into right. heaven. That's part of your getting into the highest well, level of heaven. The funky underwear and all that other cool stuff too. So. But yes, there are steps like t tithing, always tithing, following what they call their words of wisdom, which is no coffee, no tea, no alcohol, no smoking. I can't remember the fifth one. Um, but there's all these things that you have to follow. Yeah, and I mean, oh, yes. you have to serve. You oh, know, yes. if you don't serve, you can't reach heaven. So you have to actually figure out some area of the church where you serve. So, so one I think of the, Anson was going to institute that. Actually. But no. Serving to get to heaven? Serving to get to heaven. Isn't that a thing? Serving. Yeah, can we do that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was to, you know what? I will say this too. This is pretty like, and I know being in the church, it's like, uh, okay. One of the things that they also have, which is, so you need to understand that being a Mormon isn't just going to church on Sunday either. So like they have something called um, home teachers and visiting teachers. And so every woman, and this is one of the things you learn on Sundays as you prepare for these, and they have magazines. I don't know if you've seen the Mormon magazines, but one of them comes out every month and it has the monthly lesson in it. And the men in the church are grouped by twos. And same with the women. So, like, I was partnered with another lady. He had a dude. And we had a list of five families. or six families that were under our charge. So once a month, me and this other lady had to go visit our five ladies. If we couldn't visit, we had to make a phone call or send a or handwritten note. But you would get in trouble. You had to go make a face-to-face. -face. So, like, if that lady had any issues at all, then it was our job to make sure that she was fed or she had a ride or her bills were paid or whatever the thing was. Um, and then we would go visit and do the little lesson with her and make sure she was okay and if she had any needs. The men did that, too. So, basically, not only are they all gathering at church on Sunday, and they're sharing, so you're getting this personal connection with hearing people share their stories and stuff, and then once a month, they're fasting and then they're also getting up there sharing um, and then during the month you're getting visited and you're visiting so I got visited by mine and then I was going and visiting um, so it's very uh, connected so there's really not a lot of wiggle room to go astray you know someone's gonna be like well what are you doing and they have um, one of the largest welfare programs in the world as well um, which is pretty, I mean, it's pretty impressive, unfortunately. Um, I was married before um, and married in the temple with my ex-husband. Um, so I, I, I did all that cool stuff in the Atlanta temple, actually. Um, and when we divorced, I was a single woman with some kids, and I didn't have you know, I needed help. And so the church was like, oh, okay, but you have to serve. So I had to serve in 
some capacities. But then they have this huge grocery store down, it was in Tucker, I think. And it's like this, like a, it's like a Costco, um, but it's run by Mormons. And you go in with your grocery cart and you get everything that you need and then you leave and it's free. I mean, you don't pay for it. So, um, and then if you have bills that you can't pay, you go talk to the bishop and they pay your bills. And so like, there is no need for a Mormon to get on any kind of government assistance. You don't have to go ask your family who might not approve of Mormonism for help. Um, they are fully, they have, I mean, when I was little, we used to go work the apple farms and um, it would be our, our ward's turn to can apples and we would can hundreds and hundreds of jars of apples and we'd have just apples everywhere. And then that, those would be for the storehouses for the kids. Um, Mormons are supposed to have at least one year of food supply for emergencies. So they rotate all that out and they sell it. Um, so you can go to the store and buy all your freeze dried stuff. And so if there's an emergency, go hit up a Mormon because they've got everything. Um, but it also keeps them in. Like there's no reason to go right. outside the circle. Right. No reason to go outside and, and, you know, experience friendship with anyone else. No, you don't. And, and when we left, it was really, really hard. It was really, really hard. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I could talk about this for hours, but any questions? Yeah. He was a second president, so he was part of prophet. all of the he was all of the early stuff going on. So, um, and he was the the president that led them on the Western tra uh, Trail. You know, when they were getting forced from state to state to state, they just kept going west. And he was the president. I don't know if he was the president. Yeah, because Smith died in uh, I Illinois. I think yeah. it was Illinois. He, he was killed. he was murdered in Illinois. Uh, um, but he was a prophet. He had a lot of wives. Yeah, and I mean Joseph Smith had over fifty wives. You know, we could we could talk about polygamy for you know, which. I know. I don't want you guys to all go. I am never sharing the gospel with a Mormon. That is not. <laughs> I mean, they need it. They need it. We are testimony to that. So yeah. We are first, like, we are first generation Christians in our family, and yeah. we couldn't be more grateful. I have a question. Um, okay. So in my conversation with a couple of Mormons, you know, we would we would have exactly this kind of difference of terminology, right? Mm -hmm. Right. How do you nail him to a wall? Because it just. <laughs> well, again, it's like their, their doctrine is slippery, their scripture is slippery. Mm -hmm. It's like they, where, where the Book of Mormon contradicts the Bible, they're just like, well, you know, mm -hmm. that revelation came after, so that one gets superseded. Right. How do you nail him to a wall to where it's just like, this is what you stand for, and it's false or it's wrong? Yes. I, that's why I am going to continue to say that this is a prayer ministry because God changes the hearts. Um, we can only do the work. And if God's going to use you in this, you need to know your word and know what, what they kind of believe. Um, I do have a sheet of resources I can give you guys. There's some really good websites that can give you some things. There has, fortunately, there's been some things that have been proven false, and they just kind of let it slide because now they're, you know, they're worldwide. There's millions of them. So when things have come up, they're like, meh, it's okay, we're good. But if God is truly working on your friend's heart, then you can, you can use that. You can say, yeah, but, and even their own prophets said, 
if this is false, he remember. said, <laughs> he said that, well, in the Bible even, and you know, that if, if a prophecy isn't true, um, I know Anson, you just shared this not too long ago, they've had prophecies not come true. So, and those are, there's a website that lists those. So you could take that and say, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And again, if, if, if God's working on their heart, it's going to, it's going to do something. So, yeah, but, go ahead. Would you go ahead? Uh, two questions. One, um, just you can give a real quick answer. Who can be polygamous? Like, are there like only ranks in the church that can have multiple wives, or can any woman have multiple wives? Well, nobody can now because it's illegal. Right. Yeah. But so in heaven, so the people that you see that are polygamous, like those TV shows, mm-hmm. they are, um, they're not. Mormons. They they call themselves fundamental Mormons, which means they stick to the original rules of Mormonism. When the church changed things because of Revelation, they didn't want to change it. So there's several different um, splits off of the Mormon church. There's even a whole split of that's still Joseph Smith's family line because they didn't think that a prophet should be outside of his family. So um, no nobody can be in the traditional LDS church. You can't be a polygamist but you're preparing to be one if you're going to go to the highest level of heaven and the second question what is their assurance for salvation like do i know you gave the ordinances and if they do the ordinances then they're saved Mm -hmm. are they just so brainwashed to where if the bishop says they're saved then they're they go along with it or do they struggle with assurance of salvation oh they wait wait they they get their card validated i was trying to find it so literally, they go through these temp- temple ordinances year after year. And part of that is this list of questions that qualifies them for the top level of heaven. And when they get the card, it's good for a year. But then they've got to go back. Yeah, but they know if they sin. So they know that if, if they, like, they just told, they just, you know, they told the bishop that they did what they were supposed to, and then they didn't. There's a lot of repenting going on. So they do believe in repentance um, and that you can repent and, and set it right. So it's but, a lot of guilt and a lot of repentance. But the assurance is in that card, in that temple recommend card that you get renewed every year. So, you know, when, when that date comes up and you go through and you get your card. I was um, yeah. I, <laughs> it is way expired, 94. Yes, expired in February. But yeah, so I mean that—that's literally your get out of jail free card for real. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was the only one. Well, actually, Lucifer also offered, yeah. but his plan was didn't didn't include a test. His plan didn't include the test, so he, everybody was kind of got to go straight to Godhood right off the bat. Mm. So God is like, nah, not going to go with that one. We're going to go with Jesus, and that's when you know a third of the fallen angels left. They like Satan's plan better. They didn't want to pass the test. They just wanted to get yeah. So that's Godhood. So they don't believe that Jesus is God. No. Well, 
they believe in that each person of the Trinity, and they don't use the word Trinity, they don't believe in the Trinity, each is a separate person. So you got God in one body, Jesus in one body, and the Holy Ghost in another something. And you have to be baptized, and you only receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by laying on of hands. So when someone comes to Christ, or someone comes to Christ, listen to me, um, when someone becomes a Mormon, that's why they always want to get someone baptized right away. Um, so you go and you get baptized, and then as soon as you're baptized, um, you come out of the water, you dry off, you sit in a chair, and then the um, the leadership, leadership of the church um, puts hands on their head and prays over them and gives them the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can only be passed down through the priesthood for someone to receive it. And you have to be eight or older to be baptized. So anybody who dies from infancy to, you know, seven uh, goes to the highest level of heaven immediately because they haven't reached the age of accountability, which, which is, is eight, eight years old. So, so when they speak of God, yeah. they're speaking specifically about Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. They're they Heavenly Father. God ever died. Mm-mm. I remember years, like years ago, I was having a conversation with a Mormon. I think it was out in California. We went to the Mormons everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I remember having a conversation with the two of them. They both, you know, they said two. And he was uh, having a conversation in Revelation mm-hmm. 1 8, where it says, Thus says the Lord, the King and Redeemer of Israel, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God. Uh-huh. I said, okay, well, you know, turn to Revelation 2, 8. It says, uh, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and last, who died and came to life again. Uh-huh. And I said, so when did God die? And they didn't have an answer for it. Yeah. Um, but I think we got blackballed. And we come back. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I feel like there are passages where if you're talking to some Mormons, where especially when you focus on explicit explicit text when Jesus reveals himself as God, mm-hmm. if, even if they say, well, that's not what it means, um, it, does, it does provide an opportunity for them to sort of backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it doesn't it just doesn't jive with the, the theology and the doctrine. Right. Yeah. There's such a distinct difference between God, Heavenly Father, and Jesus the volunteer. Uh-huh. Right. And then they'll lean into the fact that they don't think it's translated correctly. Right. That's or, always an out. Well that's what I said, know your word and pray. Isn't the Book of Mormon like it's uh, the story of an entire civilization? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Which so Yeah, I mean, there's talk of wars and hundreds, thousands dying in a certain area on this continent. And archaeologists cannot find where the bones of all these guys That's one of the things that you'll see on that website is where one of the wars was taking place and they haven't found the bones. So you can say that, too. But um, I think ours was just, I don't know. What's that? I don't know. I, I... 
I really want to say that I my heart changed and I knew it was just a, it was just a miracle. Like I he got baptized as a Christian before I did, and um, I was sitting in a Sunday school class, and um, the elder was speaking on God and who God was, and um, for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel and I heard who God was, the God of the Bible, and all those years I believed differently and it just was like I want to say I almost felt punched in the face like it was like like it took my breath away and all of a sudden like God revealed that that's who I am and it just changed my entire life and I just started crying and I was like oh my gosh God is and was and never was like this he's this is the God of the Bible and then I was you know and then I got baptized and it changed my life but I had heard it. I'd probably heard it for almost a year <laughs> um, before I, I heard it and my eyes were completely opened. So, um, but it was truth. Truth was being poured into me. Um, and I know people were praying. Um, and then it, you know, so praise the Lord. <laughs> you, you asked the question, what's something that you can nail them to the wall with? So... I mean, this doesn't really nail them to the wall, but the one question that I ever, that I ask is, do you think you can add anything to what Jesus Christ has done? And that's got to make someone think. I mean, if you say, hey, look, you're questioning the supremacy of Jesus Christ when you have to add something to his work. Because he said, I mean, how many times have we heard? On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. So do you really think, you know, as a human being, you've got something better to add to what Jesus has done? So, I mean, they, again, they, they have their answer, but that is one question that I really want you to think about this. Do you, can you add anything to what Jesus did? You've got something that you can add? Anyway. Any more questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, like, with what they learned when they were young, I know we talked about, like, things to ask them, but is there anything that they're taught to ask us so that we can also be Like, I know, like, obviously knowing all the word well, but is there anything, like, maybe, like, a, a specific that, oh, like, mom's going to usually talk this, so if you engage with them. They're... Mormons don't typically evangelize on their own. I'm sure they haven't. If you know them, they're not trying to share the gospel with you. What they do is they send the missionaries to you. So they have a whole army of missionaries that go through training. They have a, it's called the Missionary Training Camp and Center, and it's like a really big deal. Um, So... They don't, aren't, we're not really, we, we were never really taught like what to say to someone, but if we got someone interested, we were supposed to bring them to church and send the missionaries. So it was always connecting them to the missionaries. That's why they have so many missionaries because they're very busy and they're young. Um, male missionaries go at 18 um, and they serve two years and women go at 19 to 21 depending on that and they go a year and a half um, and they usually get sent somewhere far away from home so um, yeah there wasn't yeah, so I, don't, I don't know if there's a, a real answer there's not question. I mean they don't we don't really all all we were ever taught was the church is true Joseph Smith was a true prophet 
Um, I know the search is true. I've, I probably said that a thousand times when I was a kid. Um, and you know, you keep saying it and we sing it. All their hymns are their own hymns. There's very few crossover songs. Um, they have hymnals and children's uh, worship songs and um, it's, you're just completely, and, to, and the songs I'll sing about, I wanna be a missionary and about Joseph Smith and just all the things. So um, they just make sure that their members are so saturated with their truth that um, it's really hard to hear someone else's. So, yeah. I got a question. I, I know you spoke about salvation and inherit eternal life, but if, if missionaries that go out and their goal is ultimately to recruit people into the church mm -hmm. and they're so organized, do they have a, a written out gospel? Do they have, like, mm -hmm. like what is the gospel, you know, specifically? Do they have something that they go by, or is it the ultimate goal is we bring you in by enticing you with, with certain words, certain things, and you come to the church? No, they have, they have something called the plan of salvation, and they present it to you when they come to your house. Um, honestly, I don't remember what's all in it, but there's six, they, they meet with you six times, and each time they go over a part of it, and at the third time is when they... Um, ask you if you want to be baptized but they literally have this plan and it sounds I wish I we could probably google it at this point but um, they do have a really it makes sense you think I think all of us want to be the you know the king on the throne right so that's what they're appealing to so um, they're appealing to our human nature and then they're presenting a plan that actually makes sense. You're like, huh, okay, okay. And then it's appealing to your nature as well. So you don't know, you don't learn all this other stuff till after you're in it. So it's like what he said, he was like, I was like, what? So um, it's interesting to see how many Mormons stick with it, but I think you get so in involved that, um, you kind of start to think, well, that's kind of crazy a little bit, but I don't know. You know what? Everything else is pretty, pretty awesome. So it's all good. Evan, yeah. they have something called the 13 Articles of Faith that Jen mentioned a little bit earlier, and that's kind of like the the foundation of what they believe. They don't um, share that though, right out of the gate. They no. share the plan itself. Well, see, it seems like that that most of what they do to hold on to people is use fear as a way to control. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that if you're in it, because I mean, I was, I, I've mentioned before, I was in a, something very similar to a cult, uh, you know, a group of uh, house church kind of thing that, mm -hmm. that got very, and, and it was a single leader, and, you know, if you question, you know, you point you to the Bible, but ultimately it's like, you don't question, you know, this guy's anointed, this guy's, you know, and so it, it sounds like a lot of the same kind of thing is, you know, you use fear in the sense that, you know, you're you're really coming up against the authority here, mm -hmm. and you know it might be well intentioned, but you want to be careful with what you have to say because you know you're impacting other people or, or, or someone mm -hmm. along the line. So that's what it's, it's, is that is that kind of how maybe in hindsight, you know, it, it either felt or it is in, in Mormonism. I mean, it was more just a fear of of, of losing my salvation. I wasn't. We just respected them. 
I don't, I don't know, if someone got called to be a bishop, the, the leaders of your local branches here, the, the wards, they're just guys. It'd be like if Anson got called to be the bishop and nobody, nobody's paid. So because, you know, there's no paid clergy, you can't do that. that. That means it's false church. If you're going to a church that your pastor's paid, then it's a false religion. <laughs> I know. No offense, Anson. I tried to tell you. So, that. I know. So, but like their bishop, I know. So their bishop is, um, you know, he has a full-time job, and but he's the bishop of that of that branch or that ward. And, right, exactly, exactly. But so you don't really you don't you respect them because they were called to do that by God, um, but it wasn't necessarily. I don't I don't think it was so much fear, but. I don't know. I don't remember being afraid, if that if that makes sense. Yes? What about with all this cash available, all the tithes, 10%, huh. it's mandatory, yeah. mm -hmm. missionary level, mm -hmm. where none of this is going to clergy or missionaries, so how does this... Oh, no, they own... They, I think they're the largest landowner in the country. I'm, I'm not... I mean, if you've ever seen any of their buildings, they're extremely well-built and ornate. Um, the missionary training centers, all, all that money goes to building and teaching. Uh, no, but missionaries resources. have to pay their own way. Yeah, missionaries do pay their own way for the two years that they're on their, um, they're on their missionary journey. Um, but, yeah, everything that they do is very, you know, like they'll build a building, they'll build a ward, and it's completely paid for. Yeah, they don't, know, have they don't have any debt. No debt. <laughs> debt is also evil, so there's no, there's no debt. Yeah. Yeah, they have a regular job, so they work during the day, and then they're a bishop on the weekends and at night and stuff. Yeah. So. Does the church believe? What exactly do they do? That's just like about Jesus. They, they, do they believe that he did die on the cross? Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Percentage? Okay, because I think I've seen some of the commercials. Yeah, yeah, they do. The other thing that I had, okay, so he, he goes and prays, and there's no there's no church in the city. He just starts to build. Yep. But did they believe that there was a church? There were some churches that were. Yeah, we were in the dark ages. We're they the dark they call ages. it. It was the dark ages. Okay. Yeah. It goes to your point about saying, oh, it wasn't quite God. He wasn't quite powerful enough to keep it going. Right. God just said, right. your job's not big enough. Right. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. Well, nothing now. <laughs> um, before, I mean, I guess it was, I don't know. I mean, people just believed him. If you read about his early life, he was uh, a con man in his early life. There were some things that he did. I can't remember what they actually called him. There was a name for what he did back in the 1800s. So, I mean, he basically, you know, was a con man. So he was a good talker and could, you know, pull people over to his side, basically. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And you never heard that when I was a Mormon. I never heard anything negative. Like we worship Joseph Smith. Like he was the founder of the true faith. He brought the true gospel to earth. So he is very revered and I don't want to say worship, but 
pretty, pretty close. So it wasn't until or I was out of it that then we did research and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. So that's another thing you can do is point out like these are facts. This is really what happened because even if I heard some things like he was murdered, well, he was murdered for his faith, you know, but those, I mean, if you really go back and now you can see history, what happened, that really wasn't the case, but that's why they also don't want you talking to anyone about it. So you don't listen to people. But I mean, you could, Jim Jones, David Koresh, those yeah. guys just didn't get far enough. <laughs> yeah. Heather, no, <laughs> you're just looking. I don't know what the actual teaching is about how they get their revelation, but I mean, in my mind, it's like they feel like something they need to address and maybe the top presidency discusses it. And then next thing you know, within the next week or so, there's a revelation that's been received by the president. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind it's of like, and I mean, I know you can, they, mm, was it was in the seventies? That was a big deal. Well, okay. So polygamy was, elite in the Mormon church and then when it was against the law the prophet had a revelation that they, they should end get it basically jailed when they got to Utah all of a sudden the prophet the had a revelation, revelation that we needed to now end polygamy and they, had, they were all going to get thrown in jail there's still modern day revelation um there was one about families so the things that I have seen out of the church in the last you know, a couple decades, I think, um, were not very controversial. They were more like, well, yeah, families should stay married, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and I don't know now. I'm pretty much out of touch, but and have been for a little while. There was there was a racist teaching that uh, a black person could not hold the presidency or could not be and in the priesthood. priesthood. A black man couldn't be in the priesthood. From the beginning of the church and until then, the 70s. And then they started to get pushed on that. They were like, what teaching is this? This is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, the president had a revelation that opened up the presidency or opened up the priesthood. Yeah. So, I mean, usually yeah. the revelations are convenient. Yeah. But, yes. I, long time ago in California, um, worked for a lady that converted from being Baptist to um, a Mormon, and she had, um, had all these special needs kids. And that was my job. I went and interpreted for the deaf for them, um, tried to teach the children to communicate with the Anyway, um, the church would come all the time, and they were amazing. Like, they had, these kids had everything. Not really the thing they needed most, but they had things. And this was a single lady mm-hmm. that was doing this. She adopted nine children mm. um, so as special needs. It was insane. But anyway, wh- one day I got there, and she was crying. I, she asked me to interpret the Book of Mormon. I told her I wouldn't do that. I would interpret the Bible. But I wouldn't do the Book of Mormon. And she, I got there and she was crying and she said that she got the le- a letter from the prophet or somebody in leadership and that she was weeping because her, her adopted children weren't going to make it to, the, to heaven because the level of heaven that she was working toward and because they were adopted. Do they still have crazy things like that? I mean, do you know? That I don't know. That I don't know. I, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would be adopted. surprised. But, like, you have to be married to get to a level. You have to be. You do. And, and they, in, 
I, I was in a Mormon town in California, and the people, if you got to really talk to them about Mormonism, they didn't like to talk to us about it. Mm -mm. If we have questions and we look different, they didn't want to tell you because they're nice people, but they had a lot of really mm -hmm. racist and separatist mm -hmm. things about heaven, not because of who you believe, your belief in Christ, but who you were here mm -hmm. in this body. Yeah. 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 And that still might be happening. Um, I think they, they could, it could be. Um, they believe that they, uh, different um, races are different races in the Book of Mormon, and some were bad, and some were good. Um, they supposedly did away with that in the 70s, mm -hmm. but I don't know. So that I don't know. I was never, I don't think that I was ever taught to be racist against anyone. Like it was all, everybody was a brother and sister. So, and I was in the church in the 70s. I was born in the 60s. But um, I don't ever remember being taught that. So it, is, it was a person that was breathing on the planet. It was our brother, our sister. So, but I, I did know that there was a time when it was like that. So I think, I don't know what time we're supposed to be done, but. We're good. We're good. Okay. 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 All right. Was there an Unless there's any final questions. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, so if I understand the kind of the, we'll just call them the nuts and bolts of Mormonism mm -hmm. when it comes to salvation, the missionaries or, or the, the, the Mormon is compelled to or evangelize their faith to other people so that they themselves can have salvation, so that they themselves can be elevated and exalted right. uh, in heaven. Um, whereas in our in our biblical faith, we are compelled because that's our kind of our response to the grace shown to us by Jesus. Right? Mm -hmm. Is there a way that we could possibly say, hey, selfish because you are just doing this for yourself not because of any divine compelling uh, to share your faith with one another I mean you could try that <laughs> I feel um, like I don't know if there's any kind of doctrine that kind of would, would yeah but they I think they feel that so this was another thing that blew my mind becoming a Christian. I'm just going to tell you. You're raised that everybody is inherently good because we're all from the same family. So when you look at people, I'm like, well, you're really a good person. Like when, when a Mormon says he's got a good heart, they believe that. Like we say it and we're like, you know, then we want to do a Jesus juke and go, mm, really? You know, but Mormons, they say that and it's like, yeah, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We just have to bring them to that so I think it might be selfish that they want to do that to elevate themselves but they also know that the sooner all the people are here and the sooner we all come then the sooner you know we get to move on I guess not so much the end isn't the same but they want to grow the church 
for per, for selfish reasons, but also just to. I always felt like it was part of just trying to get the family together. Like we we have to do this. We have to you know get everybody together because we're a family. As crazy as that sounds, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't, and I think if you tell them like you're selfish because you want to be in heaven with God and be with your family, that might not. I don't know. Well, That's yeah but a lot of them don't know all about that either yeah and that's like they don't teach it's not like something they teach about every sunday you know they do teach it but it take that's like that's so it depends that's why i said when you're starting to talk to a mormon find out if they're a lifelong mormon or if they're a convert recent or how far are they in it it really helps to know how how deep they are are they holding a position um are they just like an attender you know, and they go and they do the things. Ask them if they've ever been to the temple. If they're a temple card holding Mormon and they've been a lifelonger, they know all this stuff. Um, if they're new to it, they probably don't know it all. So it's really good to know the temperature of, of who you're speaking to as well. All, all the missionaries would know. So oh, absolutely. Like they, they know everything. Yes, they are trained to do all this yeah, stuff. But they're still, you know. They're still 18 now. <laughs> I know. And I will say this. I've had some women say, I don't let them in my house. I guess there's some verse that says, you know, you don't let the evil or whatever cross your doorstep or whatever. And I've heard people have said that to me many times over the years. And I'm like, no, they are children. They are 18-year-old boys that have heard nothing but this poured into them. Please let them into your house and share the gospel. Pray over them. Pray for them after they leave. Um, and you know, just continue to pray for them. Um, they really are just kids, and they don't know. So this is all they know. And, I mean, I'm so glad that somebody let me in their house. You know, And now we have four adult children that know the Lord as well, and we have six grandkids that are being trained to know the Lord. So it really matters. One person that you share the gospel with in truth and love prayerfully can make all the difference in the world it's fun to battle though i like oh, it <laughs> see i'm trying to be eloquent and he just is like no he's the one who invites the jehovah witness in too yeah. <laughs> and he like marks up all their stuff and then invites them back and then they go through it so yeah